During Silicon Slopes Tech Summit 2018, we were pleased to be joined by former Beats by Dre CMO Omar Johnson. We recorded his presentation and are excited to present the audio version now. Enjoy. How was it that the only company featuring James in the playoffs was this commercial from Beats by Dre? What do you think? Whew. I know, right? Alors, qu'est-ce que vous en pensez? Particulièrement. Alors, c'est curieux. Wow. Ich weiß. For my theme song, my leather black jeans on, my bunny means on, part and I'm getting my scream on. Get it a kingdom. But watch it you bring home. You see a black man with a white woman at the top floor, they gon' come to your King Kong. Middle America packed in. Can to see me on my black skin? Number one question they asking. Fuck every question you asking. I'm looking for something to make my party pop off. Check out the beach pill. I'm portable, but don't let my small size fool you. Um, yeah, we're speakers. We supposed to be loud, dummy. So you sound just as good as you look? I hope they paid you for that, because it's certainly you. I hope they gave you some money for that. I mean, I, I, they really did. They needed yeah. to give you some money for I that. I just want yeah. some beats. <clears throat> Good morning, everyone. Thank you. I appreciate that. So my name is Omar Johnson. I am going to... I've got a lot to share with you this morning. I'm going to share... I'm going to share a few things that have never been outside of the building at Beats. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about marketing, and I'm going to share some stories. Most importantly, I'm going to share a little bit about me, a really interesting moment I had as a marketer, a pretty, it was a crisis almost, um, how I evolved from it, and then what we did on the heels of it with the brand. So my story is pretty simple. I'm from Brooklyn, not the sexy Brooklyn you see on TV now, but the not-so-sexy Brooklyn. I thought I would be a doctor. I enjoyed the Cosby show. And Mr. Cliff Huxtable, notice I didn't say Bill Cosby. Um, and like a lot of people, I figured out later, like, oh, I didn't really want to be a doctor. And I started in the field of marketing. And that journey was quick, swift, and I had a lot of great companies, a lot of great experiences. The first one, I was a consultant at Coca-Cola, so I learned how to sell soda. Shortly after that, I spent time at Kraft Food selling Nabisco Chips Ahoy cookies. Picture me at Campbell's Soup selling paste salsa. Right? That was a great part of my journey, and that led me to this place um, called Nike. And I spent about six years of my career at Nike, learning how to storytell, um, doing brand management across running shoes, basketball shoes, and I launched our first ever connected product, Nike Plus. So one day I'm sitting at my desk at Nike, and I get a call from these two guys. The guy in the front, his name is Jimmy Iovine. The guy in the back, his name is Dr. Dre. Can you imagine how that feels? You get a phone call, you look, and it's like an L.A. number, and he's like, yo, it's Dre. <laughs> I have no clue what he said after I picked up the phone, but at the end, I said yes. <laughs> so 
I go to this company called Beats by Dre. I was a fifth employee, and we were in a corner of the record label offices. We didn't have great amenities, but I, I had this view. Um, and this view is really important to me and my story because it was something I saw every day. I saw palm trees, I saw this really cool city. And my first week and a half, it was pure excitement, joy. I, I couldn't tell you how excited I was. I had a laptop and I had a phone. And the phone didn't really ring, but one day the phone rang and it was Dr. Dre. And he said, what are we doing? I said, you know, I'm learning, I'm onboarding. He's like, what's onboarding? I said, um, I'm figuring out the company. He's like, well, it's five people and me. What are you figuring out? <laughs> so I, that excitement turned into fear really fast, okay? So as much as I was excited about this view, the next few days I thought about, because most companies you get, what do they say, 90 days? You get 90 days onboarding, you don't do anything until 90 days. Well, that was Thursday. So he hangs up the phone and he's like, well, I'll give you some time and I'll call you back later. I'm thinking later is like a month. And he's like, I'll call you Saturday. So Friday comes and I'm looking out the window and I'm like, well, I can't quit. Maybe I can just leave. Then I thought about it a little bit more, and I'm like, well, they might find me. Where am I going to go? So I stayed. And I learned this really interesting lesson around fear. Um, my reaction to fear when I was a kid was to oversimplify. And um, I would get in trouble for it as a kid. But to be honest with you, it's become sort of a superpower for me. It's become the thing that I rely on most as a marketer. And when I let my fear sort of force me into this space of oversimplification, because if you think about marketing, I had done marketing at big companies where I had a computer, I had business partners, I had decks and PowerPoints and keynotes and a sales team. Well, the startup, you just have your desk and maybe a laptop, desktop, and a phone. And I didn't have a budget. I wanted a big budget. I didn't have a budget. But when I started to think about what marketing really is and starting to oversimplify it, um, marketing started to not feel so sexy anymore, right? Marketing tends to be expensive. Marketing can be really subjective. Marketing can be unreliable. Really hard to measure. So I'm the marketing guy. And that list I made scared me because I based my whole career on doing, just spending money and doing cool things that I called marketing. And now I had a job where I had to really do marketing. So I drew this on my whiteboard and I kept saying marketing equals brand, marketing equals brand, marketing equals brand. And when you look at great brands and if you scan the world of the best brands, they're typically started by people who don't have big degrees, big marketing pedigree, worked at big companies. And they tend to not think about marketing and all of the jargon and all the BS that comes with marketing. And what I quickly decided, and I wrote this, again, I wrote this on my whiteboard. I just crossed out the equal sign and I said, building a great brand, when you listen to the pros who've built great brands, they're typically about three things. Number one, your product. Your product's the most important thing you have. Two, people. Last, storytelling. So, 
This is the interactive part of my presentation. I'll ask a quick question, right? Which one's most important? And I'm really asking, so I want someone to tell me, scream, shout, raise your hand. Storytelling. Any other votes? Storytelling. Thank you. So storytelling is important, but who tells the stories? The people. Okay? Who builds the product? The people. And as much as those other two things are super critical, I always start with people. And people are the thing that when we worked at, when we started building our team at Beats, um, here's my team. Um, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, purple hair, blue hair, no hair, tattoos. Um, we had everything. And what that meant emotionally is that we covered the world of consumers, what consumers cared about. I don't like cats, but there was somebody on my team who loved cats. There's, I like some, there's random genres of music I like, but there was one person on my team that loved even the most abstract genre. We had someone on the team who did it. And by building a team that's diverse, you'll start to see how it played out from a marketing perspective. Next thing was our product. I'm not going to talk too much about this, but obviously I think we made a beautiful product. It wasn't just the product. Think about the packaging. Think about the feel. Think about the fact that we didn't make our headphones just black and silver and brown. We made them red. We made them pink. We made them orange. We made them purple. So there's women who bought amazing purses and bought a pair of headphones that matched their purse. But when you think about the product itself, the loudest thing that we've ever done marketing-wise is this product. Because this is the thing you see. When you're walking in the airport, that's what you see. You don't see the ads, you don't see social media, you see the product itself. And the last piece is, the last piece is storytelling. So storytelling is super important. But when I say storytelling, it's not about ads and spending money. It's about what I call owned and earned media, which goes back to your people, what your salespeople say, what they wear, how they dress, do they tuck their shirts in, do they not? All of these things are part of your brand. Your website, your social media, those are obvious. The social media and websites of your employees, not so obvious. All part of your brand as you get to build your brand out. You think about founders and your founder stories, which by the way, when you look at the values of a great state like Utah, founders in this state will have a leg up on most founders because of things like hard work and dedication that don't always live in, <clears throat> don't always live with most founders. But that lives really intensely here in the state. But that's a part of your storytelling. Well, thank you guys. Uh, I, I should be clapping for you guys. Um, so I created a few rules. I'm going to get through these rules really quickly, and I'm going to get to the work. I'm going to get to these things I'm telling you I've never bought outside of the building, part one, part two. I want you to understand um, these aren't just ads. I'm going to show you some of the recaps and what came from it. So I created some rules once I focused on those three things. And the rules were very simple. Product is king. Everybody in the company had to know about the product, care about the product, covet the product. We've never, perfect example, we would never do a gift bag where we stuff our products in bags. We had a habit of whenever we gave you a pair of headphones, we'd give it to you hand to hand, eye to eye. I'm not saying every one of your products can do that. Find those opportunities because with those opportunities, you create a real connection with people. But product was always king. We said we're always young. It didn't mean we hired young, it just meant that we all felt the spirit of youth as we did things. And that spirit of youth was in us every day. We want to always be authentic. We live in the information age, people. So if you're not authentic, your consumers are going to find out pretty quick. We looked at ourselves as leaders every day. 
This is a Jedi mind trick. We weren't always leaders. We were number 17 in the category. Now we're number one in over 30, 40, 50 countries. But we said we we're going to be the leader, we became the leader. We live the connection. How do you get your employees living what your consumers are living? How do you get your employees living and doing the things that drive your business? Not being in an office, sitting in front of a terminal every day. And we always thought about ourselves as moving culture. We didn't respond to culture. You'll hear cool marketing guys or purple sneakers talk about, oh, culture is cool. We tried to move culture. And there's a lot of companies who don't always think they have the ability to move culture when they really can. You look at what Slack's doing in the marketplace, they're moving culture, moving people from a place where they're tied to email inboxes to I can see what's going on in my life and in my inbox really quickly. So here's a few watch outs as I show you a few videos and a few examples of what we did as a company. Okay? You're going to see product and everything you see. You're going to see the people, not only from our company, but how we inspired other people to do what people in our company did. You're going to see storytelling. This is one of Ryan's favorite words, which is experiences. And what you'll see in the experiences is what we try to do is we try to create consumer behavior. More importantly, we also created celebrity behavior. So a lot of what I'm going to show you is going to look like we took all of our money and spent it on marketing. We didn't. We were so effective at creative experience, creating experiences and driving behavior that celebrities started to wear our product for free. And that's because we created a compelling behavior. And the last thing is free media. Please, 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 as you look at it, you'll see one or two things we paid for. 90% of it's not paid for. So I'll tell you one of these stories. Um, it's called Hear What You Want. And the, the insight was very simple. As a storyteller, we found an athlete in, in Europe. His name is Mario Balotelli. Mario Balotelli is African, and he lives in Italy, and he played for the Italian national team. Anybody know Mario Balotelli here? Oh, okay. He's a bit crazy, so a lot of people know him because he's crazy. Um, but I actually grew very close with the guy. And here's what was happening in Mario Balotelli. Um, Cue the sound, guys. There's some sound on this slide. Okay, turn the sound down. So, do you guys know what those sounds are? Those are monkey sounds. Okay? He has an Italian mom, Italian dad, played in Italy, played for the national team, did pretty well. And when he played opposing fields, they would make monkey sounds and they would create chants around his name. I learned that talking to him, but I also started talking to other athletes like Kevin Garnett. And he would share very similar stories, as with LeBron James and a lot of other athletes. And when you think about what we try to do at Beat is we told our athletes that these headphones can block all of that noise out. And if you use these headphones to block that noise out, you'll be way more prepared when you walk onto the field. You'll be in a much better shape to play a match, play a game, play a whatever you're going to play, if you can focus. So we started taking that behavior and showing our athletes, here's what you do. And again, I'm going to show you a video around 
this commercial that we made, I'm, I'm probably sure you saw it, it was called I'm the Man, and I'm not gonna show you the ad, I'm gonna show you what happened because of the ad. Watch a little free conversation that we got based on that video and based on the work that we did. Cue the video, please. Great commercial skip. So you know how many people want to put on those beats? <laughs> beats yeah. Well, a new commercial featuring Colin Kaepernick is creating a real stir. You guys love that commercial with Colin? The headphones, the beat. I love it. I'm going to get me some beats by Dre. Right now, we give you today's beats players to watch. Beats by Dr. Dre. Release a new uh, commercial featuring Sherman. What do you think about your reputation as a thug? I don't have that reputation. Final play, take me through it. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry Certainly you could make the case that he was a bad sport in that moment, but thug seems to be an underlying way to bring it back to race. Have you seen those Beats headphone commercials? Now since the foot down is lost, a new one came out just today. Show that new one. When you try me with a sorry receiver. And I don't need to worry. <laughs> Beats and Graf wanted to come together to mark something special and have it timeless. Those headphones that you just saw, those headphones are worth $25,000 a piece. He went from trash talking thug to hero overnight. Who is the real Richard Sherman? commercial is it's great it's a great commercial because it says block everything else out and focus on who you believe you are so So a few things, um, very simple storytelling. The product was the king. We made sure that not only did we show athletes a way to help make them better, when you look across all of the sports, all the athletes, from football to American football to rugby, we saw the world of sports pick up those headphones. And then we saw the news respond. ESPN, she said, these headphones are $25,000. Well, that's what we told them they were. How much do you think that footage cost us? Nothing, right? We created news because we created things that helped the athletes. And we helped the athletes not only to protect themselves, but we also helped the athletes focus on what they had to do on the pitch. And the athletes rewarded us handsomely. So I'm gonna keep going because there's a few more stories I wanna get out there and I wanna wrap up. The Olympics was the next big moment for us. And we had a really simple idea with the Olympics, which is, let's do the same thing we did in football. 
And we went to London in 2012, and there's two things that we knew. The Athlete Village is terrible. The Athlete Village is run like college dorms. There's no good food. The amenities are terrible. These are grown adults, but they have to stay together in a dorm. Their coaches are there, media is there. Then you get these sponsors who never get away from their corporate desk, who come with their kids and say, take a picture of my son, take a picture of my daughter. And the athletes always felt like they were in a bit of a petting zoo. So we created a space in London at a place called Shortage House. And here's a space in London. And if you look at it, you see it looks like the United Nations. We only admitted athletes. No fans, no coaches, no sponsors, no officials, only athletes. Now, this was in 2012. I've since met six babies that were from two athletes who met in this space. <laughs> if you were a French swimmer and you wanted to meet an Australian rower, you met at the Beats House. If you're a Swedish basketball player and you wanted to meet an American swimmer, you met at the Beats House. And today, like I said, I've counted six kids. I, I think there's more. But we created a space for the athletes to relax. We had great food. We had air conditioning. We had all our matches playing. And most importantly, no adult supervision. I'll show you what happened next. Phones. They're very popular among the athletes here. Beats by Dr. Dre. I've got the UK Here's version. Athletes hanging out, warming up in the headphones. And the rapper Dr. Dre sent groups of athletes special editions of his company's Beats headphones, some of which have been seen on competitors in the aquatic center where they drown out the noise. The Beats headphones have been like the thing to talk about this Olympic Games. Every nation had a pair of Beats on. These are like the coolest things ever. Oh my gosh, the Beats phenomenon. It was a movement, man. Hey mama, this that shit that make you move, mama. So if you didn't have a pair, you felt left out. You had to get in on the action, man. You saw people from different countries, different sponsors, but the one thing that was the same about everyone, they all had on Beats. Everybody had on Beats. So it didn't matter if you were Nike, Adidas, Africa, America. We, we were all united by Beats. United, united by Beats. Beats united. <laughs> Beats took over military, everything. It took over the Beats militia. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, what's going on? Where did everybody got these beats from? Everyone's like, oh, did you go to the Beats house? And I was like, no, I haven't been there. And they're like, you have to go. And it just took off like wildfire, dude. Everybody's like, where's the Beat house? Gotta get there. Behind my back. I'm looking to be shot at. 
the car. Will it survive? Never decease. I don't think I'm ever gonna rest in peace. I'ma kill a game, leave the rest in pieces. Now everybody want my rest up peace. I'ma work hard, that's my thesis. This beat is a shit thesis. I have to wear my beats when I compete. Your mind can get so loud before you compete. There's so many distractions, so many thoughts that can go through your head, and it's almost like the music, it silences it. You're just so zoned in, you forget your surroundings, you know, and it really gets you upbeat and tempo. sounds on the beats, man, it's just, it bangs, dude, like, and it's, I can't really describe it, but help me get a medal, though. Yeah, what U.S. did in medals was a victory. What Beats did was astronomical, man. Like, it's astronomical. It was a movement, big time. Okay. So, so if you... A few things there, right? Go back to storytelling, go back to product. We did that in such a powerful way that we paid none of those athletes. That space that we created, Olympic sponsorship will cost you typically 10 million some odd dollars. We created that space for $400,000. The reporter says Dr. Dre mailed the athletes headphones. You think Dr. Dre was at the post office or FedEx? Right? But at the end of the day, they felt that this person reached out and sent them a headphone on behalf of their country. The most important thing you give an athlete during the Olympics is something that represents their what? Their flag. Yeah, we did that too. So again, how we let product lead, athletes know our story, they repeated it. And so did the news commentators. Okay? Last one I'll go through is straight out of Compton. And what I'm going to do is do that really quickly because I want to have a few closing comments and I want to get to them. So I'm just going to show you what happened when we built this campaign. Um, Straight Outta Compton was a movie, and what we decided to do was we were going to create a meme taking the iconic sort of logo that came from Straight Outta Compton, give that logo to our consumers, and let them use it on their own. I'll show you what happened after that. In the summer of 2015, Universal Pictures partnered with Beats by Dre to promote Straight Outta Compton, the biopic movie of the headphone company's founding father and billionaire rap mogul, Dr. Dre, growing up in one of the most notorious neighborhoods in the world. Tell them where you're from, Straight Outta Compton. What Beats realized is this isn't just about Compton. Everyone is proud of where they're from. So we launched an integrated campaign that celebrated every city in the world because we're all straight out of somewhere. Hashtag Straight Outta became a universal statement for everyone to rep their city. People could create their own custom memes to rep their own hometowns by simply typing in their city name and uploading an image. Across the world, people created their own Hashtag Straight Outta memes. 
the world's biggest celebrities joined in without receiving any endorsement money from Beats. Straight out of upstate New York. That's right, yeah, yeah. In less than 24 hours, it became the number one trending topic on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. No other brand in history has ever achieved this. That shit was dope, man. The world took over, and no one or nothing was safe. Other brands couldn't ignore the campaign's success and got involved. Even the United Nations harnessed the campaign's power for good. Then what happened next surprised us all. President Obama created his very own hashtag straight out of meme. Instead of using the word straight out of Compton, the White House tweeted Iran would be, quote, straight out of uranium. In the end, it not only became Beat's biggest campaign ever, but the biggest social campaign of 2015. Okay, so again, I think the idea is very simple, right? We gave consumers a tool to tell their story. I saw straight out of Provo, straight out of Salt Lake. We saw them all, and we saw them in probably a hundred different languages. Again, very simple storytelling, led by great people. And to be honest with you, three of the youngest people at the Beats team came up with that idea. The average age on that team was 24. There were three people, okay? So a couple of watch outs as I close this up. Keep thinking about your products as you launch products and make that the most important thing you do. Make sure you obsess about it. Make sure you think about what it feels like in consumers' hands. Get great people. I'm looking out. I want to see some more brown people. I want to see some more Hispanic people next time I come back. But think about how do you bring great people to this great state, in addition to the great people that are already here. Storytelling. Storytelling won't be hard. I think the values of this state are really apparent in the people, and the, story, the stories that you can come, come up with really represent, I think, a big part of where this country needs to be. Don't think that it takes big brands to tell stories. Every company can tell a story. Experience will always be important, Consumer behavior, how do you inspire consumer behavior? How do you get your consumers to do things, inspire them to do the marketing on your behalf? Most of those videos you saw, 80 to 70, 80% of it were things that people did that not our company did. How do you inspire that? And then lastly, how do you get free media, which is one of the best tricks in the world. So last thing before I leave, um, don't forget emotion. You know, I love these tech conferences because I think it brings together special people, but one thing happens a lot is that you tend to not think a lot about emotion. Emotion is the most important part of your story. Make sure you don't lose it. I'm out of here, guys. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, big round of applause for Omar Johnson.